Look what happened with what happened with Gerard at Villa to what Emery's working with now. And the difference is, is that Gerard was a poor manager who wasn't coaching his players, right? And as such, Villa moved down the table, relegation, you know, dog fights and stuff like that, right? In steps Emery with a plan, with an understanding of what he wants to achieve and a way that he coaches his players to get the best out of them. He's improved every Villa player and that's what he's paid to do. And that's what he's done and you've now seen Villa high flying. Pochettino's coming, yes, did very well at Spurs, Champions League final and whatever else. Went to PSG, Gaz, you talked about resources in this podcast and Chelsea having resources. Well, he had fucking resources at PSG and he did fuck all. He won a farmer's league, right? And he got sacked because he ain't good enough. Hey guys, thanks for listening or watching, depending if you're on Spotify and YouTube. Gaz, Steve, Ryan and Matt with me as always. Let's get straight into it. Um, Ryan, you're happier than me as we go to recording from the weekend. You did hold on though, um, but look, six points from the last two games is a fantastic uh, week for Aston Villa. Well, Matt, I said I wanted six from six and that's exactly what I got. So very different performance to the City game. We, we started we started well, um, but like all good teams do, if you're not having your greatest day, like a certain team in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s used to do, you win 1-0 and you see it out. Um, losing losing superfluous, I can't even say that word, I need to start again. Losing, you know, the right words to say about this team and Emery. Um, 15 games at home, we've won in a row, new club record. We've got 10 points out of, well, the only two points we dropped out of the last four games that were deemed to define our season with Bournemouth. Um, it's just, it's just a joy to watch. I thought the first 10 minutes, Aston Villa were far better, hence, and, and you scored inside about seven or eight minutes, obviously through McGinn. Um, I thought Arsenal grew into the game all but dominated the rest of the first half. And to be honest with the chances, if, we, if we'd gone in level, even potentially 2-1 up, I, I don't think there'd have been a huge amount of arguments about that. We had enough chances to to get something out of the game in the first half. Second half, I agree. I thought we started okay, but I think there was the point at about 60 minutes where you made a couple of changes. And I think at that point there, it became a dead rubber um, I think I've said in the WhatsApp group whilst whilst we're talking, this will finish 1-0. Um, Arsenal ran out of steam a little bit as well, obviously off the back of um, yep. a hard-fought win over Luton in midweek. And Emery will obviously be delighted. Um, interestingly, he didn't shake hands with any of uh, Arteta's backroom yeah. staff at the end of the I game. Was... A little bit of sour grapes following no, the sacking. Miserable fucker. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. He no, he's a miserable out... fucker. No, he's not. Unprofessional he said... as well. Unprofessional. Unprofessional, no, right? Absolutely Unprofessional. One thing I do want to highlight, <laughs> especially given the huge debate in our group on Friday, this is how a manager, an elite manager, manages a game. You've just pointed, you've just touched he's on it. He's not elite either. He's one below F it. Uh, no, he's not. He's elite. He's one below elite. He is. He's one below uh, elite. He's one rubbish. below elite. And Arteta's no, below no, him. No, no, no. Chris, he's go, one go, below let elite. Me, let me finish Chris, my sentence. Okay. He... He, he managed, at, at halftime, he took off a sulking slash injured Bailey, who, when he didn't hit the free kick, was in and out that game. Took him off. No no morals or anything about him setting up the goal. Took him off. Halfway through the half, made another sub. Through the half, Continuing throughout the half, made another sub. Then made two to see out the game. 
that is how you see out football matches and you don't always have to stick to your philosophy because our football in the second half was nowhere near like what it was against City. I think we actually created the better chances in the second half, weirdly. I think we only had like 30% possession. But that is how you manage a football game from a tactical point of view. When you start, I mean, I watched the game and you were all over from first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I was thinking, oh, oh Chris, I was enjoying it because I'm a Spurs fan, obviously, everybody. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking that this is good. Villa went one nil up. Uh, I probably could have gone. But then you took the foot off the gas. I'm thinking, why? Is that what you're calling managing the game? No. No, they no, no, no. That, that was Arsenal. Is that, Arsenal. Is that managing? Arsenal is, that manage, is that what you're trying to say? No, Arsenal changed. Huh? Arsenal changed it up Arsenal and they got a lot anything. closer. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think Chris, Christian will back me up on that. They were they stood off us at the start of the game and we were all over well, after them. After 20 minutes? They sort of well, they moved like 10 yards up the pitch and it closed off the room. And I felt that that completely 20 changed. 20 yards the up the pitch. So they, 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 yeah. they, they, there was no room yeah. for us to move. And if you actually look at all the Arsenal chances, in the, I'd say nine out of 10 chances in the first half, we created them for them. It was sloppy passing. Like there was nowhere for the Villa players to go how we normally play. The second half is what I'm on about. But if it had a 1-1-1 from a Villa fan, from changing, would you have then gone, would you, how would you have felt about that? Because for me, I, like when I talk about Ange going forward, you know, playing this progressive football and then taking the foot off the gas and then conceding, that can't be the way, that can't be the way forward. What made you sit off and what's your thoughts of that difference between that gung-ho to start with and the reservedness of the last 60, 70 odd minutes? I, I, well, firstly, I don't think we took our foot off the gas. I think Arsenal completely changed up their tactics. They they moved up the pitch and we didn't have the same room. If you look at the chances Arsenal had in the first half, a lot of them were caused by Villa making mistakes because we didn't have the, the usual room to pass the ball around, cut through a team. So for me, I, I would completely disagree with taking your foot off the gas. Did the game change? Yes. I don't think we were ever going to have the same sort of performance that we had against City. We had a 24 hours less rest. I'm not going to play on that too much, but we played a lot of football. We were never going to be able to play at the same intensity for 90 minutes against Arsenal, nor okay. would I have expected okay. Arsenal to let us play that way again for 90 minutes. You know, Steve, there was there was late drama in the game. Kai Havertz thought he'd equalised. It pinballed around between Matty Cash and himself but ultimately was the right decision given to not award a goal? So it's a, it's a, crazy, it's a crazy rule, really, isn't it? Let's be truthful. You, you, he, he had very, very little advantage. The defender can have it come off his arm, effectively, and the, and the forward can have it then come off his arm, and the, gets disallowed because it's come off the forward's arm. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Surely oh. it's either got to be... It's either got to be a penalty because it's come off the defender's arm as well. Romero, or, Romero against Arsenal. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's just it just to me seems a crazy situation. That that's one of the. I mean, obviously, there's several rules, but that's one of the rules I just I just don't ever really get. I mean, there was, there was a couple of other goals at the weekend that were rolled out for the same sort of thing. And when you just it's like I say it just brushes hand brushes hand. Does it give it an advantage? Who's to say? But it's just. It's just a crazy, crazy rule in my mind. I just don't understand that one at all. So, yeah. so, it, so it doesn't like if it hit his hand, his hand's not in an unnatural position, but he's gained an advantage. Then it's a handball, right? Yeah. If, if basically, if an attacking player, yeah. if it hits his hand, and he scores, it's is a handball. 
it is a bizarre rule, I agree. Does Matty Cash not deny a goal-scoring opportunity, though? Matty Cash's arm, to be fair to him, didn't move. It, like, his arm was in an unnatural position. Still and denied a goal-scoring opportunity. Well, he can't cut his arm off. So, the, by the letter of the law... Neither could Romero against Arsenal. By the letter of the law, it was the right decision. The law, I agree, is wrong. I also think Douglas Louise kicked um, Gabriel Jesus in the calf in the penalty box. He missed the ball and he kicked him in the calf. Their legs up yeah, in the air. That also that. could have been a penalty on another day as well. Um, I, I think agree that, with that I, one. And that's... The, that's the issue that I have, and we go about on it every week. And I'm not being a bitter Arsenal fan. It, Sounds it. it. You are. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You I'm are. Not. Sounds it. I'm not. That should have been a penalty. It's consistent. The, the Louise one was it's more of a penalty than the, than, the, than the handball issue. I, I agree. Like when I saw the replay of that, I was like, "Shit, that might be a pen." Villa are third now in the league, a point behind Arsenal. Got to be considered as, as title challengers. Maybe they can strengthen with a few players in January no. and kick on. Gaz, you're shaking your head. No. But look, I one do. team that are certainly not title contenders is Bournemouth. No, any jokes. Manchester United, Matt. A shocking, shocking result. And it very much was the theatre of wet dreams for Bournemouth fans <laughs> at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you reminding me of that. I did, as Gaz very helpfully pointed out in a WhatsApp group, I did call it as 3-0. Just, unfortunately, I backed United to win 3-0 rather than Bournemouth to absolutely trounce us. I, uh, I I said to you guys in the chat, I heard a stat after that game that just astounded me, and that is that United have lost more home games in the last 11 years since Ferguson left than we did in the entire 26 years of Ferguson being in charge. And that I think that epitomises our downfall because Old Trafford was an absolute fortress when Fergie was there. And now, I've said this before, teams are not scared to play United now. They're not scared to actually come at us and just have a go at us because we run around like headless chickens. We've got no gameplay. Like we, Individual players don't know what they're meant to be doing next. And it's lucky, it seems, if we get a goal. We occasionally play well, but that's just, I don't know, the aligning of the stars. There's no other, there's no other reason for it. Um, I don't think Ten Hag should go yet. I don't know why. I'm still semi-backing <laughs> semi him. But purely because I don't know who else we get in. That's that's purely it at the moment. I don't know who else we get in. They've got Liverpool this weekend. If you get yeah. smashed by your big rivals, Matt, you know, the pressure really is going to be on Ten Hag. You know, he's not favourite for the next manager to be, stuck, to be sacked. There are others. But I'll tell you what, he's in the top three. Mm. He got manager of the month, guys, last month, didn't he? What do I do? Best manager. Manager of the month. Please. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And that's what's so crazy about it. I don't know how he gets it because of the result. Some people must just look at the results and not see that United were fortunate last few weeks. Uh, And then obviously against Bournemouth. I mean, it went went 4 0. What was wrong with that fourth goal, by the way? It could have been worse. Uh, I I couldn't see there's anything wrong with that fourth goal. it was it was it was bad, uh, but like I said, they've just got no plan. There's no game plan. Everybody knows, you know, Villa's got a plan, Arsenal's got a plan, Spurs got a plan, you know, City got a plan. You know how they're going to play football. Yeah. You know, even West Ham, you know, they're going to play that sort of low block. You know, everyone's got a plan except yeah. for Man United. How do Man United play? I haven't got a clue. Nobody knows, yeah. and no. um, they're no. going to get caught out. Shit, that's yeah. how they play. <laughs> we, simple we, as. 
there's just no definition. And we've got players who are meant to be kind of world beaters, who are meant to be world-class players. I'm going to name Rashford, who's just not showing up. And he's not showing up week on week on week. Something needs to happen there. He needs to, I don't know, be given an extended period out of the team. And that's difficult because we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of injuries and players coming back. But there's no point in him playing if he's going to kind of sulk around and just drag us down even further. I, I honestly, I said it way back, uh, I think, towards the beginning of the, the season that United don't just need a new spine. We need new arms and legs and a head and everything. And we do. Our, our whole team is, is, other than a couple of players, is absolutely rotten. Why is Ten Hag playing Luke Shaw at centre half? Well, I was going to. I was just exactly what I was going to say because you can you can feel sorry a little bit for a manager that he's, that he's not got the structure behind him and he's not got you know all the, all the stuff we've spoken about about in, you know injury clinics and people who can you know do the job behind the thing to keep people on the pitch. But when you play Luke Shaw at left centre half and Regulon at left-back, and you bring Martial back in, a player who has got, I think, precisely, is it one goal this season? I don't know if he's even got that, has he? Yeah, he's yeah. Like, how, how can you actually feel sorry for, for a manager like that? Because he's making his own issues. That's what he's doing. Uh, he's having to play Anthony because of the fact that he's signed Anthony. And Anthony's done absolutely the square root of fuck all since he's been there. <laughs> and he's still and he's still playing. And and don't even get me started about it. They're, they're supposed to be club captain, who after you're three 0 down gets himself booked for descent, so he misses a fucking game next week. What is going on at this club? If yeah. he's the you- club captain. Honestly, it's pathetic. It's yeah. it's getting worse. And all United fans, I'm sure, want to see is a team they can be proud of. How can you be proud of a team that's captained by Bruno Fernandes? Can I ask Matt one, yeah, point, on. one thing? So Mark Goldbridge said no. on TalkSport, no manager can, can change the mentality of these players. I think that's absolute bollocks because I look at what Emery's done taking <laughs> over a team that had no belief, no confidence, didn't know how to pass a football under Gerard. Do you do you agree with that statement or do you think that a manager can come in and actually instill some confidence and some life into the team? I'm not saying every player, like someone like a Martial has went through, I think pretty much every every manager since since um, Fergie left. So changing him round, he doesn't want to leave the club even if you gave him 500 grand a week. But do you think yeah. the mentality <laughs> yeah. of the players at the club can be changed because I watched what Gary Neville did in his recent overlap pod where he said keep last last chance or something or ditch and at one point they only had about four players so I'd be interested to get your thoughts <laughs> as to one how many players <laughs> yeah. you do feel you need to get rid of and two can Ten Hag change the yeah. mentality or is that just a player thing uh, I don't I don't I think it's probably too far gone to for, for Ten Hag to change the mentality of this particular set of players now. I th- but I think a new manager coming in could do that and you usually get that boost. You saw that, like, for instance, when Solskjaer came in. You know, no one really expected him to do anything. He was meant to kind of shore the ship a little bit and actually he really changed the fortunes at the start. I know you were going to take the piss with Ollie at the wheel and stuff like that and it, it went sour a little bit at the end. But he did come in. So a new manager can come in and do that. 
uh, and kind of reinstill some belief in the players. That's one major thing I don't think the players have anymore is either belief in in themselves or belief in the manager or belief of where they can actually go now as a team. I don't think I, I think they they're they're of the impression now that if, if they can get fifth and maybe get kind of or sixth Europa League, maybe that's a good season for them. And that's the wrong mentality to have. You need that manager to go in and go. You're Manchester fucking United. You should be challenging for the league, not just hoping you get into Europa League, not just I surviving. I, you know, I, I, I'm still backing Ten Hag purely because, as I said, I don't know who else would come in. I don't know. Well, I still, problem, we'll still. I, I think you've got people thinking Man United, are, they're trying to get back to the top, right mm-hmm. to the very, very top, best yep. in the world, where yep. really... They should be focusing on just trying to get back into that sort of belonging into a top four, playing decent football. I think that's where they need to be sort of um, punching at, not thinking they've got to get to like above City. And I know when your neighbour is a City and they're, and they're flying and they're doing, they're doing all these titles and stuff, man, you're miles off that. I just think they're a hodgepodge of a, pl- of a, of a squad of players. Yeah. Just almost yeah. been thrown together, not even thinking about what they should have. Yeah. You finished fourth right. last season. So you got Champions League last season. You yep. won a cup. You got to a final. Mm-hmm. Like the drop off is so significant. That's why I, I, I do agree. Who are you going to get to bring in if Ten Hag goes? That, this isn't a Glazier thing. This isn't necessarily a squad thing because I'd say your squad's probably stronger this season, given your signings over the summer. I know Mount's not really featured, but you finished fourth. You got you won the League Cup. You got you got to the final of the FA Cup. You're not going to win. You're going to be lucky to even get in the Europa League out of your Champions League group. You're going to be lucky to get top five, I think, at the moment, based on current performances. I don't even know if you're you're out the League Cup because Newcastle beat you. I don't know who you've got in the FA yeah. Cup to even take the piss of who's going to knock you out. But like, it, it's it's shocking. Like <laughs> that, the drop off has got to be down to Ten Hag, surely. <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. got to be. It's, it's sticking with players like Anthony. It's signing keepers like. Onana, you know, costing us gets. I mean, uh, Hoyland up front, I feel a bit sorry for him. Um, Christian mentioned about a Uruguayan player. United used to have Diego Forlan, who who could not score a goal, but the fans loved him. Um, I don't think Hoyland's going to have that if he doesn't start scoring soon in the Premier League, because the only place he was scoring was the Champions League, and we're about to get battered by Bayern Munich uh, in, in our next match, and then we're going to be out of the Champions League. He still hasn't scored in the Prem. That's a real problem. We're, we're leaking goals at the back. We're not really scoring them uh, up top. You know, if McTominay, fucking Scott McTominay is our leading scorer. That tells you something about our season. It really does. And it's not good. Manchester Pele. He's that yeah. good. He is that good. Gaz, favourite little second team, Bournemouth. Come on. You know. That is a fantastic result at Old Trafford. A fantastic result. They played well. It's another good result. And they're edging closer to sort of securing that 12th spot in the Premiership uh, Premiership table real estate, aren't they? Yeah. Is that is that your right, Gaz? Well done, Gaz, uh, for picking the, no. the, the right result. It's not no, the season's no, 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 not no, over. Okay. okay. <laughs> so no praise, for, no praise for picking them to beat to turn over Man United. End of the but season, that- Gaz, I'll give you the praise if they're there. Well, they turned over United and they, and they could have been more, to be honest. Like I said, out wasn't 4-0, I do not know something wrong with that thing. But yeah, they're a handful. Again, the main thing is with Bournemouth, they know what they're doing. They've got a certain style. It's aggressive. And like I said, it's gonna when you've got a team that's got a set plan, they're going to cause Man United loads of problems. I mean, even Luton. 
Luton will cause Man United problems because they'll have a plan. Um, and that's what it's all about. But no, Bournemouth look really good. Like I said, Solanke stuck on fire. The boy's on fire. It's the best he's it. looked in the Premier League. Goal. The best yeah, he's looked. Fun, yeah, he's not, I think he started to realise he was a player yeah. back in the day and he went on a bit of a lull and now he's realised I'm actually, actually I'm, I'm a pretty a bit of a player. But um, again, Billing, another goal from him. He's, he's really good in the middle. But it, they're clearly buying into his ideas. Like you said, there were no, there was no dressing, dressing room rifts. Um, Gaz, I'll give you your, your prompts, mate, because you did say about two months ago, Bournemouth are a decent side and they've proven you're right over the last couple of months. And listen, guys, they got Luton next as well at home. So it could be another Yeah, yeah they've got a good run so. of games coming up, actually. Bournemouth, they've got points they'll pick up more than Chelsea. And that's where we're going next. <laughs> Everton go. 2, Chelsea nil. The... Uh, Eight points, I might have to revise that to zero in the next six games because <laughs> Chelsea are fucking rubbish. But look, Everton were great. Steve, I'm going to come to you. Analysis of the game. You agree with me, I know now. Poch is a bloody myth. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about the game first. And um, I just want to talk about how good Dwight McNeil is. Dwight, Dwight, Dwight McNeil is. He's just, he's just, he's come back into the side and he has been absolutely awesome. Set up the goal again for for Decore over the weekend. Um, just it just looks it just looks a really good player. And another player that obviously Sean Dyche would like. Decore keeps getting his goals. Calvert Lewin is doing it up front, which Gaz says he wouldn't. So obviously I'll give props to Gaz for his um for his Bournemouth, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not letting him away with the Calvert Lewin one because he told us. Calvert Lewin was absolutely atrocious, and look at busted what, flush. Look at, I say, look at what Everton <laughs> had done since he's been back in the side. Um, the one thing I would say going on to Chelsea is, and I want to ask this question out to the group really: um, Would Marco Silva or Gary O'Neill do any worse with Chelsea than Poch has done, or would he? Or Gary would they do, do better. Would, would they do considerably better <laughs> than Poch has done? I'll save my rant till last because I've got one coming for Pochettino today, guys. <laughs> go on, Matt. Well, go on, Matt. No, go on, guys. Go on. You're going to say something. Well, well, Steve, like I said, Poch, it's a real strange one for me because, like I said, I've seen what Poch can do at Spurs, right? And he's got far more resources at Chelsea than he had when he comes to Tottenham. And but I'm just stunned with what Chelsea have done under him. And, and I think there's a lot more to come from Chelsea. Like I said, I've, I still think they're going to finish top half comfortably and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be pushing up towards that uh, sixth, seventh and eighth position between Newcastle and Man um, United. I've already said that, that they're going to be in, they are going to be finishing around about the sort of the eighth mark, seventh, eighth mark. They are going to do that. That's my opinion. But regarding should we expected more, hundred percent, we should expect, I think they'd expect more from Chelsea. But what's so strange is, Poch has never worked with massive squads like this. He's always come and trimmed it down. But yet, Chelsea got tons of players. It makes no sense. So, I don't really get there. I mean, I don't really understand what's going on in the background there because he is a man, he's a man management guy. He gets the best out of people that aren't that good, a.k.a. Dyer and people, young lads coming through, a nurtured Deli Alley and, you know, Kane were not a bad word to say about him. So, like, he was a, he's a real people's, people's man. Um, but I think there's too many people. And I think that's the problem. And I, I, I just think that is the issue at Chelsea. Go on, Roy. Honestly, I, don't, I, I know you like Poch because of what he did at Spurs. He, and I, I am a Poch fan based on what he did at Spurs. He has shown nothing at Chelsea to say that they're going to finish seventh. 
Yes, they've got an overinflated squad. I right. would say the squad is full of potential. Right. It's potential. It's potential. <laughs> they done anything. That squad hasn't done anything. It's not a group of winners outside of Thiago Silva. Let me tell you a stat. If Everton didn't have the 10-point product- uh, uh, deduction, they would already be above Chelsea. So this, w- this <laughs> result was not a shock. Chelsea are shit. Like, I don't necessarily think Gary O'Neill or anybody else would do a better job because they don't have a striker, but they don't have a style of play. They're inconsistent every single week. They go to United, we're all tipping Chelsea to win. Chelsea get beat by a shit United team. Sorry, Matt. I'm sorry to bring that back up. But it's fact. No, they got I, beat I, by I a poor United team. <laughs> You're the only one who could see through the Chelsea bullshit that we were talking. Like, outside <laughs> of Cole Palmer, they showed very little. On on Sunday, mm-hmm. so they're relying on a twenty year old to get them out the shit. I don't I don't see where your optimism comes from. And when you talk about sorry, when you talk about climbing up the table, they're probably going to have to average two points a game to climb up the table at the moment because the teams above them, in my opinion, are either on a par with them or better. Newcastle, can I just say Newcastle in seventh are on twenty six points. Chelsea are on nineteen, and there's actually a lot of teams in between them. Yeah. Chelsea are yeah. down to twelfth now. Twelfth. I don't get. I, don't I can get see nine teams that will finish above Chelsea already. I, I, I don't see the seventh thing because yeah. you're relying on teams above them essentially to average a point a game for Chelsea to get anywhere near catching them, and that's over the next. If it's Newcastle at seven points clear, probably with a better goal difference, that's eight points. You're relying no, over I, the I next games. I, I, in between, I'm just so, saying. I'm okay, just saying. Right, a posi- this is say, let's eight, just say eight right. position. Okay, eight position. Okay, I, eight. I, I presume I'm eight. Not too eight. far off. There you go. Okay. But let's just say the Come team on. in eighth is, I'm just going to say Brighton, maybe they're a point behind Newcastle because the league's quite it tight. Is Brighton, yeah. It is Brighton. You're relying, you're yeah. relying, on, a, you're relying can, on Brighton to can... average... Two seconds. You're relying on Brighton to average one point a game over, say, the next eight games and Chelsea to get two points a game over the next eight games for Chelsea to go above Brighton. Okay, I see this from Chelsea. I see the next sort of five, six games. They don't look that, that difficult to me. Uh, I know the Everton game, mm. we included... We included all the draw against Everton. Were... Oh, yeah. Okay, one point out so far. Fair enough. There's still five yeah. games to go. Their next five games aren't that difficult. That's in my opinion, <laughs> right? Okay? I think that is going to get them to sort of about 10th. Okay? In January, you're telling me Chelsea's not going to strengthen in January? And then they'll start to play. You watch. And I bet you... <laughs> They're definitely going to be finishing that. You sound like Potts, and he wants more players. No. He will yeah, get exactly. that. That's the thing, see. He'll get you telling Potts get players in January? Well, at, one, at one point, mate, they, they can't keep can't. buying players. They can't keep buying because they're not going to be in the Champions League. Wait, look, Ryan's right. How are Chelsea currently sat in 12th? Are they really going to be above Liverpool, Arsenal, Villa, City, Spurs, United, Newcastle, United, and Brighton? That's that's no chance. Eight. They're not. They're not. They're not. Regardless of how well their run goes over the next six games, and I think they will actually start to to improve slightly over the next six games. But I can't then see them getting up to eighth. I just. I can't. I can't see it. But they should do. They're playing Sheffield United and Luton in them games, aren't they? Potch is a myth, right? And, and you're go. starting to buy into it. You are start. Other than Gaz, who loves him from his Tottenham days, you are starting to buy into it. But he is a myth, right? And I'm gonna. I'm gonna go straight back to Emery. Um former Arsenal manager, but look what happened with what happened with Gerard at Villa to what Emery's working with now. And the difference is, is that Gerard was a poor manager who wasn't coaching his players, right? And as such, Villa moved down the table, relegation, you know, dog fights and stuff like that, right? In steps Emery with a plan, 
with an understanding of what he wants to achieve and a way that he coaches his players to get the best out of them. He's improved every Villa player and that's what he's paid to do. And that's what he's done. And you now see Villa high flying. Pochettino's coming. Yes, did very well at Spurs, Champions League final and whatever else. Went to PSG. Gaz, you talked about resources in this podcast and Chelsea having resources. Well, he had fucking resources at PSG and he did fuck all. He won a Farmers League, right? And he got sacked because he ain't good enough. That's why. Do you know why? Because he doesn't coach his players. He does not coach his players. He clearly lacks the understanding on how to get the better out of them. Calls a press conference, obviously, after the defeat to Everton. As Steve said, I need more players in January. But he's got that many fucking players in his side. He doesn't know what to do with them. A lot of them are good players. We talk about the fact he hasn't got a striker, right? And, and Ryan said Gary O'Neill probably wouldn't be able to get anything better out of him. Well, let's take Wang at Wolves, right? That under previous managers scored three league goals last season. This year, he's already got five. Do you know why? Because he's being coached on how to score goals and where to be in the right position. Pochettino's full of excuses, right? And Chelsea will continue to lose games in the next six. They will be lucky to get eight points. They will not finish anywhere near, anywhere near the top eight. I think they've got more chance of finishing in the Bournemouth real estate of 12th to 14th. In fact, Bournemouth on current form will probably finish higher than them. They are not good enough and it sits with one man, Maurizio Pochettino. You judge him at the end of the season and you go, that was complete shite. And you may well be right in five months. All right, so if he finishes 12th then, right? If he finishes 12th, yeah, then at the end of the season, terrific. he's there. He's finished 12th. Do you know that's what? The, the last shite. 39 games, the last 39 games, they have got 39 points. That is relegation Whoa, form. Let's have a party for Chelsea. In, 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 in any season, that's relegation form. Yeah. So... There's been no improvement under Poch, apart from they pass the ball a bit more about. If your manager was sacked and you had to choose between Ten Hag or Poch, who would you have based on what they've done and what they, you think they can do? We linked with Go Poch right. before we got we were linked with Poch before we got Emery, and I'd have been delighted with Poch because uh, I, I do look at what okay. <laughs> from a Villa point of view, I'm not I'm not basing Villa on PSG. Level, I would have looked at what he did at Southampton. Could he do the same with Villa? The what he did at South, I'm not we're bigger than Southampton, but could he do that similar type of thing of up, upgrading us? But then you could say the same with Ten Hag at Ajax, I guess. I'm so it's a tough answer. I'm gonna take Ten Hag over, over Pochettino because he's worked with Guardiola in the past, and I think there's a manager there that's in a very poisoned club. Um, I think if Ten Hag loses his job at United, he'll get an opportunity in the Premier League again. So I'll go with Ten Hag. Go on, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> having Poch back would be great Poch, yeah. uh, in hindsight but uh, unfortunately I'd have to choose Poch purely because he's got a game plan and Ten Hag hasn't but uh, <laughs> uh, there's, no game, there's no game plan with Ten Hag so uh, yeah Poch for me Matt sorry. go on Steve well I'm not swapping Super Kieran McKenna for anybody <laughs> but if I had to I would go for Poch there <laughs> you go who would you want Matt some of the some of the I would, I would stick with I would stick with Ten Hag I would stick with Ten Hag. Would you? Yeah, yeah, I would. would yeah, you? I hundred percent would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not as as, as staunch on it as Christian is in, ter- in in terms of calling Poch a myth, but I I don't think Poch is everything he's made out to be. And I think your comment there, Christian, about Ten Hag is in a poisoned club, is you're, you're pretty bang on with that. You're pretty bang on with that. But so are Chelsea. Chelsea are a poisoned club yeah. right now. Do we not? Feel- I think they. I think I think they both are. 
think they both are. They've both got very, very hard jobs. Very hard jobs. In clubs that haven't got the yeah. structure that we talk about that other clubs have. Yeah. I don't see the difference. Like, yeah. I don't see no, the major difference. Point. You've got two owners. You've got two owners that don't have a clue what they're doing, in my opinion. Mm. I don't, but that doesn't mean that Potts I mean, he stays a lot, quieter, a, a lot quieter now. He shouldn't get a pass. He's a myth. He's got to go. Look, we've got to move on as well. We've got to move on. The the Chelsea rant goes on. Um, it's, it's becoming a competition between Chelsea and United for the for the rant each week. I can't wait till next week and I can rant more about Poch when they lose to Sheffield United. Do join us on uh, our Friday podcast when we uh, discuss all of the weekend fixtures. Uh, let's move on to the uh, most boring game of the weekend: Spurs four, Newcastle one. Gaz, go on, mate. Spurs back to winning ways. Back to winning ways. Uh, I said, again, they haven't played any different. Uh, probably just took a few chances, that's all. Um, uh, Richarlison played well in the middle. Nice um, to get a couple of goals off the mark, and hopefully that'll make a big difference. Um, clearly, uh, a bit of a, a slight change by moving uh, Son to the left to target uh, Trippier's legs, uh, his old legs. Uh, and Trippier must have been thinking, oh, shit, I've got, I've got a mark Son. Uh, in a bad uh, day, Trippier. Yeah, you would be if you would if you was tired. You had to, you had to, you had Son running at you all game. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it a big four-one. And Ryan, you've called Newcastle Jekyll and Hyde a, a few times throughout the season, and it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance. It was just, it's just Hyde, wasn't it? I think, I think the only, the only sour note for Spurs <laughs> is, fuck me, you guys were lucky with Romero. That guy is just a walking red. Like, why? Why is he making that tackle? You can't even de- you can't even sit there and deny that. Like, why is he making that tackle in a game? You are dominating. There's no need. Um, he does. You're not going to disagree with that, is, are you? It is frustrating because no, I'm not going to disagree with that. No, that was a bad tackle. Oh, but the thing is, that's what he's like. He, trust me, I used to back this way. You know, we have our bets and things. I used to back Romero to get booked every game. Last year, right? The amount of money I made off Romero getting booked was unreal. <laughs> he get booked every single game. But this season, along with Van der Ven, he kind of just, he, he was like, where's Romero not getting booked? But then all of a sudden, Van der Ven had to see him, he's back to like lunatic right. Romero he again. So, uh, he, he is a lunatic. <laughs> he's, he's mental. He's mental. I, I genuinely think Romero gets the, gets the sunshine bus to, to and from training. I think he's a bit, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's RG Timmy, you know that, right? He's got that RG, yeah. that RG bargy, but, that RG bargy, but I'm the first one if you're watching. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, like Spurs had Newcastle, that Newcastle defence on Toast all game, didn't they? Um, it's another result where 4-1, yeah. it could have been so much worse. Um, New, Dubravka got, he conceded four, yeah, he got two points on fantasy football because he made another seven saves. So he, was, he wasn't the worst transfer in. Um I don't want to like regards to Newcastle. I don't want to hear about Newcastle's injury list. It's boring. Every team suffers injuries. Do you remember the days when your first eleven used to have to play? You shake your head, Steve. But I'm, I, there, there is a reason for this. Do you remember the days when teams used to play forty-six games and you had one sub? Did like they, they <laughs> have one when there was no subs? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. It's part of being in the champion. It's part of being in the Champions League. It's, it's part of being in the upper echelons of the Premier League, right? If you're not prepared, then that's your own problem. I don't have any sympathy for it. To, how many of their first 11 is actually missing? Take away the squad, right? Uh, and um, if, it's, if it's nine, then fair enough. I'm happy to be proved wrong. How many of their first 11 is actually out? 
There's 11 nine, players that have got out. Right, and they have played. They have played. Are you going to let me finish, Ron, or what? In the last four <laughs> games, they've played the same 11 outfield players, same, the same 10 outfield players. Does that not tell you anything? Does that not tell so you that we've... they've actually got a real down to the bare bones? But so, we've played pretty much the same 12. Mate, you're bringing on people like Diaby and stuff. Don't come. To, don't bring this back to Villa. You're bringing right, on okay. Diaby and people like that <laughs> and Darren right, and stuff. I'm asking, I'm asking you, who, who are the players that are missing Durand, from the first Durand. team? I'm asking the players from the first team. <laughs> they're I... playing us. They're well, missing Pope. Do you want to read the injury list? I'd be interested to know. Who, how, how well, many he the, I'm asking. He came off the first 11. They're missing, Dan, they're, they're missing Dan. They're missing Dan Byrne, right? And they brought in Livermento. Is he not a good well, replacement? I'm, I'm asking question. Like, he's he's decent. He's decent. But then the so you got so you got Tonali out, Harvey Barnes, Nick Pope, Dan Tenali's Byrne, Elliot Anderson, Joe Willock, Matt Target, Jacob Murphy, Sven Botman. I mean, they're all players that are around, right? No, they're not. Matt Target is just the same. Tottenham's, Tottenham's is just the same. Matt Tiger's so, in. Like, Gaz, you, you cannot well, argue that Spurs have had loads of injuries and suspensions. Then when you get your Basuma back and your Romero and your Richarlison and you beat them 4-1, you can't then say, well, it's not down to injuries. We've still got, can't we've say still got, that. We've still got six or seven out. Tottenham's <laughs> still got loads of players out. No, Who's no, your six or seven out then? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We got out. We got Ben's core out. We have got a whole left out side. All season. We've got Perisic out. We got Salah left... out. We've got Perisic didn't play Saar for you. come back. We got Va- Van der Ven. Saar started Van Van. on Sunday, mate. He started yesterday. Saar just come back. Listen, what I said. Saar just come back. Yeah, I know he started. He come back. Well, they are, and he's back, isn't he? Right. Yeah, I'm well, just saying. I'm not giving injuries. I'm not giving any team a pass. I'm well, not, okay. I didn't give Spurs so, a pass. So we bet, I didn't give we Spurs bet. a pass either. I just think that if you've had a team that's played, played the same 10 outfield players for the last four games, that shows you there's a lack of strength in that squad. And whether it's because of injuries, whether it's because Newcastle are not planned enough, I don't know. But there's a lot of that first team that are out. A lot. So you've got to cut the sun slack. Okay, all right. If I come to slack for having the little players out, fair. But then I also do look at the players that have come in. So I don't see that much of a drop off from Dan Byrne to Livermento. They spent a shitload of money on Livermento to bring him in. Like Tonali, that's yeah, fair their enough. Own fault. But then he's Livermento. Tonali's is at their yeah, own fault true. for not doing their own due that. diligence. Like that's their own fault. Callum Wilson's been injury prone his whole career. You've got Isaac playing up front. Like Anthony Gordon's playing instead of Harvey Barnes. Anthony Gordon's been their player of the season that we voted. Like, but I'm not saying Wilson that injuries are affecting them. What I am saying is that they can't just go, "Oh, we've got an injury list of 11. This is our this is our excuse," because that seems to be the default and setting. To be fair, just like I didn't give Spurs that pass Eddie, because. Come on, come on, man. I don't think Eddie Howard said that. Eddie Howe no, hasn't no, said that. Though, no, he hasn't the said fans that. in the media are all over it, like, oh, they've got 11 injuries. Like, it's, it's, that's why you have a squad. And, it, like, some Sven Botman isn't necessarily going to be playing every single game. I agree, Ryan. There is, there is still a squad. I, I think what is hurting Newcastle is the lack of ability to be able to change for a like-for-like player. They've still got a squad of 25 they, they can't take Anthony Gordon off and play Harvey Barnes. Let's not forget of Harvey Barnes. He started the season. Gordon was on the bench. 
Gordon's come into form. He came on for an injured Harvey Barnes and has stepped up. And, and we knew he's that player anyway. But they're, they're lacking the ability because they haven't got squad depth to make a change where they can say, we'll take a Martinelli off at Arsenal and bring on a Trossard. The, the player that's coming on is a, a below... Their squad's got a long way to go on improvement. It's not a, it's not a hall pass, but but they, they definitely don't have the, the squad yeah. depth. So it's only four this During this week... So go on, mate. Go on. Yeah, during this week, they've got Champions League. Tottenham, yeah. right? Tottenham are sitting at home with their feet up. That's, yeah, that's no, something. Just something how I like it, Steve. You know, just I'm, how I like it. I'm not just having a go at Tottenham because there's other times like that as well. But if when you look at it, and Gaz has mentioned this earlier in the season, that yep. does take it out of you. When, you. when you've got their midweek games, Saturday games, midweek Saturday, that does take it out of your squad. There's no doubt. They're going to be nothing like against, say, against, yeah, against New, Newcastle yeah. can't have foreseen all the injuries but they possibly could have seen that they need a little bit more quality. If you think they didn't strengthen much in the summer. Uh, Let's move on and to Liverpool. Um, Dug out a result away at Crystal Palace. Game wasn't without incident, though. Are you sent off, Ryan? Referee was shocking the whole game. Took it. it, Like, the the first penalty, the first penalty it was given, it it was a soft foul, but it's a foul if you're going by the rules. He had to watch it eight times. Even Mike Dean was losing his shit in the uh, Sky Sports studio for the fact it was going on. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just a joke. For, I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, I don't. I might have posted it in the group about Fergie saying fifteen odd years ago, if you can't make a decision in thirty seconds, <laughs> it, you got then you're not changing a decision. Like yeah. he, he said it, and I, I don't know how many times we talk about. About VAR, every decision could be made in thirty seconds, and if you can't make it, you stick with the on-field decision, and at least that way you're giving the refs a bit of uh, a bit of empowerment. But yeah, good result for Liverpool. They came back after being one nil down. Um, but it's just, uh, how Anderson hasn't done it better with that header at the end of the game. If he puts that back, they're calling it a wonder save. It was on the right side for for Allison. If it goes back across the keeper, we're talking about a draw and yeah. a poor. A relatively oh. poor Liverpool performance. Steve, another poor performance from Darwin Nunez. Now, when you're chasing a game, Liverpool were 1-0 down when they took him off. I see he's changed his hairstyle from the braids back to the ponytail. Either or, he's still useless. They took him off for a man that they paid 60-odd million for. Bought on, I think it was Harvey Elliott, wasn't it? And he, and he went on to get the winner yep. for Liverpool. Proper footballer. I really like him. I think he's... Um... Not Nunez, Nunez or Elliot. Harvey Elliott. <laughs> I really like Harvey Elliott. I think he's um I think he's a player who tries to he's he's one of them players you could play alongside. He's always seems to have space. And even for the goal, he 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 somehow managed to find himself twenty yards of space, managed to run into twenty five yards of space and hit a shot that weren't that great, but actually did whizzle past uh past uh, uh, Johnston in the in the Palace goal, and um, no, I really like him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a very good player, and actually, he just he just does a little bit different. He's always looking to try and get involved. And I did see a stat that he made hundred percent of his passes that he tried on Saturday, albeit they weren't going to be long ones. But um, but yeah, and and Liverpool now have uh, that over every other team. They've come back and got eighteen points from losing positions. The closest to yeah. them is twelve with Brighton. So quite yeah. impressive that they could do it. I think I actually do think they could win it because they're having a few things that are just edging their little ways. Why are they going about their yeah, business, mate? Yeah, under the radar, people are still not really talking about them, and they're top of the league. 
the Salah thing. Let's see how they go with with Salah being a wager for the African Cup of Nations, True. especially with the fact that that Darwin Nunez couldn't hit a barn door um, even in his own country. So uh, they could struggle there. Whether they could do a little loan deal for someone potentially in January to help support um, Darwin Nunez because he clearly needs it. Um, boys, as we are running out of time, we're going to go straight on to the Manchester City game. Gaz, City got back to winning ways. But they fell behind like so many other of the big teams away at Luton, mate. I looked at the City team. I was thinking, can they have they got enough people on the pitch that can turn this around? Because Doku wasn't there either. And he's been very good this year as well. So I was thinking, no Doku. I was thinking, no Ireland. I was thinking, oh, God, they could, uh, they could come unstuck. You know, went out, made a cup of tea, come back. It's 2 1. So, uh, <laughs> you know, again, just City just getting the job done. Brian said last week, City are a one man team. He might not be far off because they didn't have Haaland. You know, they don't have De Bruyne. They don't have this person, but they had Rodri back, and they uh, they came from behind. They won the game. I used the wrong phrase. He's very influential. I used the wrong phrase. He's, it's, he provides the balance, and I did correct. I, I wanted to correct myself yeah. because Colin City a one man team is borderline ridiculous. Steve, let's go on to Fulham, mate. They smashed West Ham. David Moyes said they were tired after the the, the almighty Spurs win end of last week Fulham are a goal scoring machine at the moment they are a goal scoring machine yeah and they um they've got that um that front four with um with uh Willian on one side and Wobi on the other and they seem to be um seem to be going really really well interesting stat again five different goal scorers four different assisters for uh, for the goal, so uh, that's they're, they're spreading it about, and that Kearney in midfield. I mean, I did speak to him about earlier in the season that Tom Kearney, and I think he's actually really brought them on again for some reason. I don't know why it is, but they he seems, they seem to tick with him and Polina in that sort of pivot positions in the just in front of the defence, going really well. And fair played them thirteen goals in the last three games, so that's impressive. Yeah. When we thought at one stage they couldn't score a goal for Tommy, so Wilson's finish. Oh, unbelievable strike. Yeah, yeah incredible. I'm assuming, he, incredible I'm assuming no one gave him an assist for that goal. I'm assuming he was the one where there was no assist. But <laughs> <laughs> a robbery yeah. to him. I think that'd be a bit out of order, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just a touch. Let's wrap up the last three games that we've got. So uh, let's go to Sheffield United 1, Brentford nil. Gaz, Chris Wilder rallied the troops, I suppose, mm. you know, and got an important three points for the club. Yeah, just before half time, that McAtee, yeah. Um, again, I think Brentford were missing um, Big Bry up front, Steve. Mbwemo. 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 They were missing him up top, weren't they? And I think he's a big focal point there in um, in Brentford's team, um, you know, you know, with um, um, Big Tony out. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, managed to – new manager, new bit of lease of life. They are playing Brentford, though, so I don't know who they got next, but um, – you know, I still think they're going to go down. Steve, a very big point for company away oh, and Burnley away at Brighton, mate. One-one there. Yeah, yeah, very big point for them actually, and that's four obviously in the last in the last six, so in the last two games, been a good week for them. Been a very good week actually, and and I think we've spoken about the fact I'd quite like Vincent Company to do well with Burnley. I, I think they're always going to likely to go down because they're still trying to bed everybody in, but yet again. Brighton made a whole heap of changes. Again, I read a stat today that they they'd made, I think, sixty nine changes for the whole season in in personnel. 
when again the next closest is something like 42 and you just think to yourself how can they keep making all those changes Ryan the last game of the weekend uh, Wolves won Forest won Steve Cooper survives another week it's probably the most it important biz- part of this game yeah. I, I, well a bizarre week for both clubs because Wolves banished Johnny until January because of a training ground incident and Forest have banished club captain Joe Worrell and Scott McKenna, who are now both available to leave in January. So I don't know what's happened behind the scenes for both teams. It was almost like this game was a bit of an inconvenience. Um, like when you watch the game, yeah. to be fair, based on the, the, the highlights I watched and the chances created, Forrest should have won. Missed several sitters in the game. Um, but you say about Steve Cooper, like the media trying to create some narrative that he was waving goodbye to the fans. Never seen the way game where a manager doesn't go over and say thanks to the fans. So absolute rubbish. He was going over to applaud them, to thank them for the support. And the players looked like they were playing for him. Yeah. So it's another case of, I don't think he's lost the dressing room. It's just more a case of what the board decides to do. They've, just, stayed, they've stayed quiet in fairness, Steve, haven't they, the board? Yeah, they have actually. Yeah, consider, considering that, is it Maranakis? Is it, is the yeah, the Olympiacos yeah, owner as well. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's he's known for Olympiacos for for foreign managers at at will, almost sort of thing. You know, if they say the wrong thing to him, so uh, so it's quite impressive they have kept him in the job. They did switch the formation a little bit, didn't they? Um, Forest they played with a five at the back instead of um instead of their normal four, which gave them a little bit probably a little bit more security perhaps of not conceding a goal and, um, and some wingbacks. Okay. Yeah, it looked okay for it, in fairness. Guys, another big podcast. Plenty of debate, as always. Um, really, really enjoyed it. If you're watching us for the first time or you've watched us a few times or listened to us and you're not yet joined the Footy Social Club community, you know what to do at the Footy Social Club. We are out there. Do come and join us. Podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We'll be back on Friday for the predictions for this weekend's Premier League football. Join us then. Have a good week.